don't allow yourself to be circumscribed by the perceptions mm. and the expectations of others. You're a medical doctor, but you're more than a medical doctor. You're a human being, you're a father, you're a brother, you're, you're many things. You can still do those other things. Medicine should not define you, it should be part of who you are. I'm just so happy that you actually decided to dress up for our, our special esteemed guest. Normally you wear some <laughs> some dirty scrubs, but you, dirty, you look yeah, pretty clean dirty, with your J. Crew shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest today. Welcome back to Recommended Daily Dose. I am Dr. Clinton Coleman, along with my colleague, Dr. Sarad Sugger. This this guy needs no introduction, but I'm going I'm to try to get through this introduction. He is the host of the nationally syndicated Emmy Award-winning television show, The Doctors, on CBS. Mm -hmm. You've also seen him on Rachel Ray Show, BH1 Celebrity Fit Club, Oprah, The View, Dr. Oz, Steve Harvey, New York Times bestselling author, uh, The Shred, Revolutionary Diet, Clean Over Lean, Mind Over Matter, and many more. He also has a new book out, a novel called The Unspoken, which we'll get into, but we, we wanted to welcome him to the show. We have Dr. Ian Smith in the building. Welcome, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Want to get an idea of what you've been into and if you can give us some guidance on you know, giving the message out to people to eat healthy, especially during this time. So, welcome. And also, welcome. how to stay lean. As you can see, Clinton has let himself go a little bit. Um, <laughs> some, you know, he's really well, you he used to fill the... up that jacket a lot better. As you can see, I'm I'm still pretty lean. So, if you could help him out, also, I'd appreciate. As a he is my friend, so I, I'd appreciate you helping out. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. No, I've been um I've been really busy actually. I you know in the beginning of this whole nonsense. I say nonsense because the way the country's handled this has been just so deplorable on every right. level. But uh, in the beginning Agreed. of it, I stated on IG, on Instagram, that I was just going to stay active um, and that I was going to be productive sure. and that there are things in life you can control, things in life you cannot control. And so I really am happy that I focused my energy on the things that I can control. Uh, so writing a lot, lifting a lot, working out in the basement, hanging out with my family and connecting with them, playing tennis outside. Things that I know I can do and schedule and feel good about, I've done. So it's been a really productive uh, uh, quarantine uh, period for me, pandemic for me. It's a weird thing to say, sure. considering over 250,000 of our fellow Americans are in the ground, unfortunately. Um, I'm very frustrated by that. Um, I think it's terrible. Uh, but I also feel like, um, you know, I'm not the president of the United States and I'm right. not, wasn't asked to be on the coronavirus task force. Right. Um, and had I been, I would have had a different opinion. But that being said, guys, listen, you guys know this. You guys are on the front lines um, in a different way than I am. Um, and we all have to do what we can do uh, to try to make it better. Sure. But by the same token, you got to take care of yourself, too. Right. And so, you know, you can't lose your identity um, and your life basically um, doing the other thing. So it's 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 been a weird time. But uh, like I said, I've been blessed. And um I, I see the end of the tunnel approaching us, and I'm excited about it. Let me let me ask you a question. You you guys just celebrated your 2,000th episode on the on the doctors. Uh, congratulations. As a uh, physician in the media, how has like your focus changed as far as getting the message out to to patients, or I guess your your audience now? You know, because right. now the, it, we see things have changed as far as health and wellness with the quarantine. It, there's such a thing as the quarantine 15, where you yeah. know I had patients <laughs> who either do very well as far as their diet and lifestyle, or they have the opposite. 
Um, yeah. How, right. how, how do you address that? Well, it's interesting. So on the show, um, you know, we are not live. So unfortunately, we're not on like Good Morning America or the Today Show where we can respond right away right. to sure. something that happens. But, you know, the, the uh, pandemic's been a while for several, many months. So we're able to talk about it. And one of the big parts is basically how people are coping, whether it's weight gain or relationship issues, um, sexual issues, we, we, dating. We cover all these things on the show. But the weight issue is one, obviously, that's near and dear to me, being a person who writes a lot of diet books. Um, mm. And my whole thing has been to people, listen, you know, it's interesting. We always talk about we don't have enough time right? Uh, because we're always so busy. Guess what? You got a lot of time now at home. Control your environment. Um, right. Organize yourself and really be serious about improving yourself. Once again, back to things you can control. Improve how you eat. Improve how you move. Improve your sleep. All these things that we tend to let go because we're in such a frenetic paced world. On the show, we talk about how people need to reconnect. And so I'm constantly on the show trying to mm. encourage people, to uplift people, to challenge people, to be, at the end of the show, I say, you know, be a little better each day. You know what I mean? Right. Little improvements make a big difference. So it's a tough thing we're trying to tackle on the show. Uh, we're trying to, we're not trying, we are, bringing credible voices to talk about coronavirus and right. vaccinations and medications. That's our responsibility on the doctors. And so we're taking it very seriously. No, I appreciate it. Cause, you know, we've talked about on our own show, um, the physical toll and health toll this has taken, not just physically, though, also mentally, right? I mean, this is a huge thing mentally as well. And people don't realize that depression, anxiety, even among healthcare workers, you know, nurses, doctors, you know, the things I've seen, things Clinton's seen, it's almost like a PTSD with the second surge occurring across the country. So, um, you know, it's so, like you said, it's so important, uh, you know, to take care of your health. I will tell you, as, and I'm sure a lot of docs and nurses, I'm sure you've talked to, uh, it is exhausting, you know, doing this mentally, physically. And so, you know, I bought a Peloton. I try to get home and disconnect and um, and work out and do the best I can. But it's not always easy. Sometimes people have more time, but they're not using that time wisely. So I like what you said about organizing yourself and reconnecting. But just the availability of time is not necessarily going to be conducive to a healthier lifestyle, right? It's really using that time in an efficient manner. So uh, I appreciate those words for sure. Yeah, you know. I'm big on efficiency. People yeah, always ask yeah. me, how do I do so much writing books, doing TV, blah, blah, I got a family. It's all about efficiency, you know. Um, I really try to make use of my time wisely. Um, so you're not binge watching shows on Netflix and Amazon. I, I don't do, speak. Are you kidding? Do. Yeah. Oh. oh, my goodness. So you still find time for that. How's yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to. You know, The Crown just came out. and uh, so I, I love The Crown. I love The Crown. On Netflix. So, uh, you know, so I'm watching that. But, um, but I really... Did you watch Tiger King? Life. Did you watch Tiger King? Uh, of course, of course. That, that was that that got me through the first phase of COVID. I have to be yeah, honest. Yeah, Tiger King. Um, lots of stuff I watch. I watch Harry Bosch on Amazon Prime. Sure. But, you know, um, the thing is this. The thing is that people have to compartmentalize. If you're good at compartmentalizing, right. you're able to have focus. I tell my kids all the time, you know, focus, focus. It's so, and I learned that as an athlete, you know, um, and it's really helped me in life. So when I'm writing my novels. Uh, I'm focused. And so I don't need to spend the same amount of time someone else has to spend when they get distracted easily. When I sit down to write, I'm ready to go. When I'm on the TV show in the studio, I'm ready to go. I'm focused on the show. But when I leave the show and I leave the set, right. whatever my next endeavor is, that's where my focus is. So I think that really helps me be more efficient and more productive. And um, I also have a lot of energy. I just, I've always been that way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I listen to my body. When I'm tired, you know what I do? I go to sleep. Right. Like, I run, 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 run. When my body says that's it. It could be, I have luxury. It could be 3 o'clock in the afternoon or 3 in the morning. Boom, I'm gone. Uh, and I just think that people have to be self-aware, you know. Sure. And, and, you know, know how to make it work. Now, earlier you mentioned um, the government's response to the pandemic. Um, Siraj and I have dealt with a lot of social issues and tried to speak out on things. Do you think there's a role for doctors, particularly in that that area, outside of just talking about medicine? Should we just, you know, speak on things that affect our patients, or just be like the boring? Yeah, some people say, you know, stay in your lane. You know, other people say, no, racism is a public health issue. So I think it's the shoot up and dribble uh, analogy. Shut up and dribble. No, I gotta tell you guys something. (laughs) I gotta tell you, this whole pandemic is the lane of doctors. Sure. Um, and doctors were not allowed to be up front. And those doctors who were pushed to the front were compromised politically. Yep. Mm. And it has cost us dearly. Um, it's really, really terrible. And um, it frustrates me. I can't tell you how much it frustrates me to see a fellow physician who took the same course as I took to allow pseudoscience mm. and politically motivated misinformation to be uh, propagated. It's so frustrating. You know, for example, you know, I probably shouldn't call him out, but, you know, Sanjay did an interview with Burks on CNN. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to watch that interview because we needed that interview eight months ago. Right. Right. We needed you to sit down and talk to the country in a real scientifically credible way eight months ago. Now you want to do it? Mm. Now you want to do it? And Sanjay, is Sanjay going to ask her, how could you stand behind someone who was spewing absolute scientific falsehoods? How could you stand there with a straight face and in that company and not walk away from it? Right. It's just... It boggles the mind. It just you could really tell on her face that she was so uncomfortable. And it's just, as a physician, well, your priority. And maybe she should have been more patients. vocal. I think that's what he's saying. She should yes. have been more. If you're uncomfortable, you know what you do? Walk. Yeah. Walk. Like, right. is, is, the, is the appointment and the lights and the name, is it, is it that important to you that you will compromise your integrity as a physician? No. My answer is leave. Say, so, you know what, guys? This right. isn't for me. This isn't what I do. This isn't my oath. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Why not do that? Why? It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, you know, we talk about the pandemic, but there's also an infodemic, right? Just a, a uh, misinformation that's out there. And it's incredible how you have these um, really slickly produced uh, YouTube or other social media videos, uh, you know, out there just telling people, no, it's made up in a lab. People are trying to control your mind. The vaccine is in a control your body you know i mean and you're it's actually surprising to me as a physician and as a human being how seemingly educated people uh can kind of fall for these type of things right and there's actually been studies showing that during times of high emotional stress um i.e a pandemic that very well-meaning people can be easily swayed and that's what i've seen you know I, i've had people come and say don't you think this is all made up don't you think this is a uh a democratic virus, you know, or, you know, and I always tell people that this is an equal opportunity uh, harbinger of death and destruction. It doesn't care who you are, what you are. It's clearly outlined socioeconomic disparities in this country, right? We know that people right. of, 
minorities, lower socioeconomic status are uh, disproportionately afflicted by this. We've talked about it before, and you already know this, and I'm sure you've talked about it. But there's still people out there who think there's an agenda, whether it's political or otherwise, uh, with this virus. And it's mind-boggling how people um, will will, uh, propagate that kind of misinformation. Any second-year medical student can say and understand that a virus looks for a host that's, that's it. it. Matter. That's a it. virus has no discriminating ability whatsoever. It needs a live host to live in and to propagate. It's that simple. And so I just feel like, honestly, and I don't want to, you know, keep beating the rails here, but I just feel like, no, go ahead. you know, well, I just feel like the doctors who are quote unquote in charge, like talk to people, you know, right. talk to people in plain, regular English with real emphasis. Don't sit up there in front of the mic, in front of the country and use all this medical ease that people have to understand and data and graphs and charts. No, you sit there and tell people very simple things. That's my point. If right in the beginning, they had stood up and said, guys, this is a virus. This is how viruses work. Okay. Then this is what a virus will do to you when we can't control the virus and it propagates in your lungs. I mean, the kind of straight talk that I've tried to do my whole career, sure. I just felt, felt frustrated that the people who were given the light and the platform didn't do it. But now you want to come do it. Well, no, you got 250,000 Americans in the ground now. Anyway. You say 250 and, you know, models suggest another 150 total 400,000 uh, by early next year if things don't change around. So, but, you know, you, you make the mention we're all physicians, we're healers, but the idea of being educators and, you know, you using platforms, you use your incredible platform across so many different aspects of media, uh, you know, to a small, much smaller level. Clint and I try to do it whenever we do the local news in New York. But I tell you, I, I do enjoy it. And just I can t- sense your passion because it's not medical meetings. It's just, you know, taking complex medical issues, dissecting them into very simple things that the average person, non-medical person can understand. And I personally, I know, I'm sure we all do feel very gratified if someone could say, oh, okay, that's what that means, you know, because the idea of a virus and looking for a host, I don't think most people get that, right? So yeah. uh, it's something as simple as that, that just all the virus wants to do is not give a damn who you are, as long as you have some DNA or RNA that they can incorporate themselves into and hijack your system, um, they're good to go. So that's I a point the, very well taken. The next challenge is going to be trying to convince people who historically are scared of vaccines to actually take a vaccine that may help them. Yeah, of course yeah. they're scared to take a vaccine. Wouldn't you be afraid when, I mean, people aren't as stupid as the government want, thinks people are. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't you be afraid to take a vaccine that one, was rushed, that everyone understands is rushed, that two, people are making pronouncements that the vaccine's gonna be ready by an election, and you don't think that's a coincidence that there's a political charge to that? Sure. Come on. So, so people who we need to take the vaccine, we need 75% of the country, to take the vaccine for this sure. to be effective. A lot of intelligent, smart people, well-meaning people are like, uh, I don't know about that. Why? Because now they've been, their minds you know, have been twisted because they're doubtful and understandably so. So now people like us have to use our platforms to educate right. people about like one of my Instagram posts in the next couple of days is I'm going to explain how vaccines work in a very simple way. I just want to show people on a white, I'm going to get a whiteboard and I'm going to say, this is how the vaccine works. It's not going to give you coronavirus because people think that they may get coronavirus from it. Of course. So, you know, like you said earlier, it's people like us who have the platforms. We're the ones, we're the soldiers that have to go out and really educate the people. Mm. And we can't, like me, like I'm frustrated by the people 
who actually have the national light, like they should have been doing it, but that's okay. I can't sit here and cry over spilled milk. Sure. What I have to do is galvanize people like you. We all have a voice, big or small, and then it becomes a network of us educating the public, our brothers and sisters and neighbors, and letting them know what the truth is. And that's the only way to beat this, guys, is that we have to speak up and stand up as physicians and, and educators uh, and media personalities to say this is how it works. I said we really appreciate what you do as far as educating large, massive audiences about you know, health and wellness. Um, I want to get into your books. I don't know if uh, Sarat had a, a question before we get into your books. No, no, I just want to comment. I like how the sunlight is almost like dissecting your head there in the in the in the picture. So <laughs> I, I found that I, that was a little comical interlude. Yeah, I'm trying I, to pick I, a good I, room. I think both Dr. Ian and I both appreciate that in the sun. Right, so you can, you, you can, <laughs> it's like a, sorry, uh, I had to. I, someone had to say something, you know. So it's like a, a witness. <laughs> I need that, uh, that deep voice. <laughs> no, but continue, continue, because I want to know more about the book. So, um, so historically, your books have been about nutrition, wellness, lifestyle. What made you decide to write a novel, The Unspoken, right. available now? Yeah, there it is. is if, you need a, if you need so, an actor, if you need an actor for the lead, I'm, uh, it's me. I'm ready. Well, actually, it just huh. got an option to be a TV series. Oh, so see? fingers crossed a network will buy it or a streaming service. Clayton Coleman, a, a, uh, a Denzel Washington wannabe, but okay. <laughs> if you want to take it to Bollywood, you call me. So I'm just Bollywood. letting you know. There you go. You know, I got to be honest with you guys. I've always been a lover of fiction. Mm. I've always read fiction. I've always written fiction for myself. I love good stories. Um, yeah. And it was interesting because I've also always been a guy who likes science, right? So I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. But, you know, growing up, I'm much older than you guys. Growing up, you know, I was always kind of taught that you chose one thing and you stayed in that lane. No, same, I never, yeah. Sure. yeah, I never understood that. That just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, let's see. If the average life expectancy for a black guy is 70-something years old, why do I want to do one thing for 75 years? I'm going to do as much as I can. I ain't got much time. Right. So um, I always love fiction and novels. Genre, my genre I love is always suspense and thriller. Mm. And I'll never forget when um, – so I started writing when I was in college, uh, fiction. But then when I was in med school, uh, my second year, um, we had the guy who wrote The House of God, the medical novel. Yep. Oh, that is a, a should be required reading for all interns. The, the Fat Man's right. Rules – are, are, are true to this day. Gomer's yeah, go to the ground. I love yes. that book. Gomer's go to the ground. They can always hurt you more, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. I got to go back and read it, actually. But, um, it's incredible. But he incredible. came and visited us. And I was just, as a student, I was up at Dartmouth at the time, and yeah. I was just thinking, wow, how cool. Like, here's a doctor, and he decides to write this novel that's very interesting and engaging and funny and right. great stories. So that, I really think, said to me, hmm, I can still be a doctor and I can still write and write something that's not just straight medical, like, you know, you know, nonfiction medical, but write some creative fun. Right. And that gave me the idea. So The Unspoken, by the way, is my third novel. It is um, based on a character named Ash Kane, who's an African-American uh, private investigator. He used to be a detective with Chicago Police Department. He leaves because he won't participate in a police shooting, the cover-up of a bad police shooting. He mm -hmm. leaves, becomes a private investigator to take on very select cases in and around Chicago, and his first case is a very wealthy girl, a real estate heiress who goes missing, young girl. And her mother comes down into the city to hire our guy, Ash Kane, to find her missing daughter. And then the ride begins. It's fun. It twists. It turns. It's up and down. But it, it's it's a great distraction uh, from all the stuff that's going on now. And people really like this. So I'm happy people are loving the book. You know what? Uh, we were very fortunate to get a copy. Um, and I look forward to dissecting and reading it uh, 
uh, you know, very soon. So we, we appreciate you sending us. Copies. It needs to be an Indian hero. So like, there's plenty of Indian heroes. One of them is is on the screen. So don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can I ask, ask you just a quick question? Because I mean, just go back to your earlier um, your thoughts on diet. If you could just summarize, um, just just a quick bullet. Like I'm a pescatarian. You know, I don't eat, um, culturally being from India. We don't eat a lot of we don't eat red meat anyway. And I gave up chicken, so I'm a pescatarian. But what is kind of the basis of, you know, there's so many people who say you have, ask 10 people, there's 12 different diet books they follow. What are kind of the, the universal themes that you kind of would uh, ascribe to in terms of diet and nutrition? Um, yeah. that, you know, not only the average person can, can follow, but even myself or Clinton, for, for example. Yeah. So my most recent one is this one, which is called Clean. Clean, and lean. lean. All right. Yeah. Um, and the idea behind this book is very simple. I take clean eating which means reducing processed ingredients. Okay. And there are way too many processed ingredients sure. um, in our food chain. But I take clean eating and I combine it with intermittent fasting. Mm. Um, and there are two major types of intermittent fasting. There's um, TRF, time-restricted feeding. Right. Where you take the 24-hour clock and you break it up into a fasting window and a feeding window. You've, this is the most popular. But then there's also the 5-2 fasting where you take uh, five days of eating whatever you want in two days of eating 800 calories or less. So mm. two types of intermittent fasting, but this combines the time restricted feeding fasting. And so basically it's this guys, it's the idea that one, if you eat cleaner foods, they tend to be lower in calories. Right. They tend also not to mess up your hormones and your metabolism, which a lot of these processed ingredients can do by the way, as a, as a, as a side effect. Uh, and then if you do some intermittent fasting, um, you tend to actually drive your body uh, into the mode of burning your fat for energy, which is what more you're efficient, trying to right, do. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I think those two, those two, you know, clean eating by itself is very successful. Right. Intermittent fasting by itself can be successful. I believe in synergy. So combine the two of them together sure. and, you know, you get the result. Which I think, let, let me, let me interject. Let me interject, which I think is the, um, the issue now that I see, like seeing patients is that they're home. So they're cooking more theoretically eating less processed foods, but they're gaining weight because they're eating all day because they have nothing to do. So I think they, they've accomplished the, 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 the goal of eating better and cleaner and, and less processed foods, but they're just in the kitchen all day because they're bored. So I think that's an excellent point that you brought up is having some sure. kind of regimen where you, you, know, right. you eat, you stop eating, and you let your body metabolize the calories that's that right. you took in. But I even sure. tell, I have patients tell me they do the emotional eating, right, which can be counterintuitive, just keep eating all day. And, I mean, I think Clinton should come clean because, I, I mean, how many times a week do you eat Popeye's fried chicken? Popeyes. You, I haven't you, had Popeye's in years. There's a line outside. You, you, when, they, when, they, when they came out with that new chicken, you were the first in line. I'm just saying, be honest with yourself. Be honest with Dr. Ian also. And, and I do like five guys, though. But, you know, but when you say, their, uh, you say their... clean food, so, you know, some people have come on and talked about plant-based, and that's not for everyone. You know, I get that. But you're saying, like, even if you're eating meat, um, eat the most high-quality, freshest, less – so if you're going to eat meat, eat fresh meat. Don't eat uh, bologna, right? Don't eat processed yeah. meat. That's the idea. Yeah. So interesting you say that. So my next book, actually, in April of 2021 is called Fast Burn, which is a – no, sorry. 2021 Fast Burn, my new book mm. in April. That will be a diet book. In 2022, I'm writing a book that is a plant-based book, actually. So I'm going to okay. talk about plant-based. So that's uh, down the road a little bit. But listen – Here's the idea. The idea is that people have to understand clean eating doesn't mean eating like a vegetarian, though you can be if you want to. Sure. It means it means eating the food as clean as is possible. No hormones, no mm -hmm. antibiotics, making sure your beef has been grass fed, 
I mean, you know, these things by themselves, they aren't a big deal, but in an additive way, right. it becomes important, right? Yeah. So, you know, people say, yeah, well, does that mean eat all organic? No, doesn't mean eat all organic at all. Organic's a whole different situation. Or, you know, and I believe I subscribe to the belief that you only need to eat the dirty dozen organic, which means those things that you're going to eat the skin of when it comes to fruits and vegetables. Otherwise, you know, why do you need to eat an organic banana? I mean, there's no difference Correct, nutritionally right. Right. Uh, between that. The only reason to eat an organic fruit is if you're going to eat the skin of the fruit and you're so worried. Like, so like blueberries, raspberries, those type right. of things, right? Right, right? Apples, if you're going to eat the skin. If you're worried that there might be, and by the way, in most cases, there's not. But if you're worried that there might be pesticide residue right. on the fruit or vegetable of the skin, then you may choose to eat organic. But to be very honest with you guys, eating traditionally farmed fruits and vegetables in the vast majority of cases is completely fine. But mm. if you're really if you're really anal about it and you're really worried about it, then you eat organics only when you're going to eat the skin of something. Makes sense. You know, what if I play devil's advocate? Because some patient will say, well, doc, that's fine. You know, you can afford to go to Whole Foods, but it's expensive at least in some people's mind, eat healthy. And if you're talking about even much lower socioeconomic status and you have to be always, we always have to be empathetic about this when we're giving advice. Well, that's easy for you to say, doc, but you know, for me, I can feed a family of four at McDonald's or a fast food for 20 bucks. And you know, and it's, it's cause high fat food, it fills up the kids. So how do, what do we, how do, how do you kind of answer that? Cause I know people will sometimes push back when I speak about that to, to patients or others. Three ways. Yeah. The first way is it may be inexpensive to eat foods from fast food restaurants like that, but it's extremely expensive when you get sick. No, nope, sure. So the money you're saving now by eating those foods and being able to feed your and I get the financial pressures. I'm not I'm not insensitive to it. I get it. Right. But I have a long term view. The money I'm saving on the meals and the food is gonna cost me down the road with obesity and heart disease and, and high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Mm. And to me, as a physician and just as a person, there's no monetary value I can place on not having to take medications every day for high blood pressure or for diabetes, right? right. Like, I don't care how much money I save, I don't want that stuff, okay? Yeah. You guys know that is life altering and it's not fun. So that's the first thing is understanding what the long-term play is. The other part of it is to be very honest with you, yes, eating healthier foods, eating organic foods, which are not always tied together, but eating those types of foods yeah, they're a little more expensive, but they're not the margins of expense is not what it used to be. Yeah, 15 years ago when I started writing these books, organic food was, you know, 50, 60 percent more expensive, healthier food that were much more expensive. Right. But because of the demand in the marketplace that the average Joe wants healthier foods, thankfully, manufacturers have responded yeah. That's a very made, excellent point. That's a good point. Yeah, right. They've made healthier foods more affordable. Once again, still a little more expensive, but the margin in the old days, this was regular food. This was healthier food. It was like this. Right. Now it's like this. So, you know, then the last thing I want to say is sure. it's all about investment, right? People complain about the expense of healthier food, but they don't complain that they're buying a $40 case for a phone for a piece yeah. of plastic. So my priorities, that's right, my priorities. To make. Right. They don't complain about cell phone bills. Well, when you look at your bill, by the way, almost 30 or 35 percent of it is in taxes and mm. fees, has nothing to do with your service. So people spend money when they where to. they want to yeah. spend money. And to use the excuse that healthier food is more expensive. Well, I want to invest in my health 
and the longevity of my life all sure. day long. I don't know what your investment should be, but you got to think about what your investment should be also. Yeah, well said. Oh, that's an excellent, excellent point. You know, you have uh, inspired us to be a better physician. You know, before we wrap up, I, you mentioned like in the old school of medicine, you, you take, you know, you, you go to med school, uh, internship, residency, fellowship, whatever. So now Did that's they had med do, school when you like, were growing up. Haha, <laughs> exactly. No, but you know, the idea is that's what you do until you drop dead. You just keep doing it. And I think physicians of today, and they're better for it, are uh, interested in doing many different things. And, you know, you are a clear example, and honestly, quite honestly, you know, giving us goals, you know, to, of doing so many different things, all tying back to health, but, you know, in different realms, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, uh, obviously all the media that you do, it's very inspiring, I must say. Um, before we wrap it up, can you just tell us like where, uh, you know, listeners can find you, social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Sure. My Instagram is at Dr. Ian Smith. Spell the doctor out, I-A-N Smith. My Twitter is D-R Ian Smith. I just joined TikTok, so I have one follower. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to be doing dances, are you? Are you going to be doing those? Uh, uh, no, but I may. We'll see what happens. You know, All I got to right, get, man. you know, you got to relate, man. You got to go to where the people are. So yeah, that's true. Your street cred that's is on the line, though, you know? Well, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I feel good. I'm old, man. So I, you know, I don't have any embarrassment. Now. I've done my thing. Um, old or old school. It. It's okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. My TikTok is uh, the official Dr. Ian, D-R-I-A-N. And my website is DrIanSmith.com. Spell the doctor out. Guys, listen, I got to tell you something. You know, in all seriousness, we need more doctors of color. Mm, um, yes. Of mixed backgrounds. And when we get doctors of color, we don't always have to be clinicians. Um, we need doctors in government. Yep. We need doctors in business. Mm. We need doctors on TV. We need doctors in law. We need doctors everywhere. And I think that when I first started doing this, people looked at me like I was crazy. Like what? Like you matched an orthopedic surgery and you want to do TV? Why would you? What a waste. This is way back in the day. Mm. And doctors would shun me and they wouldn't. I'd go to any, I was a correspondent for NBC News. I'd go and interview doctors about new papers that were very interesting and very helpful. And, you know, oh, my goodness, no, they were too important to talk to me. Well, fast forward 15 years and my goodness, you know, doctors almost willing to pay you to interview them. You know what I mean? Like right, the whole thing, right. is, whole thing switch, has changed. Yeah. So I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, I'm going to retire and, you know, someone needs to take the baton. And I keep encouraging young guys like you, like, don't allow yourself to be circumscribed by the perceptions mm. and the expectations of others. You're a medical doctor, but you're more than a medical doctor. You're a human being, you're a father, you're a brother, you're, you're many things. You can still do those other things. Medicine should not define you, it should be part of who you are. Well said. I think that, I don't think either myself- You gotta or end on that knows. note, we, we cannot, I cannot possibly uh, touch that. So I'm going to simply say we are very grateful and thankful uh, for having Dr. Ian come on our show today. It's been an incredible discussion, eye-opening, inspiring uh, for both myself and my my inspiring colleague over there, Clinton Coleman. Um, of course, this has uh, been recommended Daily Dose. Please uh, tune in and listen in, and we'll see you next time. Dr. Ian, thank you so much. Until Thanks, next guys. Time. Be safe. Thanks for all you guys do. Thanks. Thank Thanks. you.